Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Now I'm just dripping that a little bit. We'll let you know when we're going to drop it. Because when the time comes, we really believe it's going to be exciting for you to interact with us and grow with us and uh, see what God would do. You can't go wrong when it comes to being taught by the Spirit of God and changed by His Word, right? So important. How many of you love God's Word? David said it was like honey to his mouth. Ephesians chapter 2. We are beginning a new series today called We is Greater Than Me. We is Greater Than Me. Dealing with right now how we can do life better together and our intent of of what God's created us to do. We find the purpose and we are intentional in making it happen. Corinthians verse 16 says, Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups of people, God by his means of his death and the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. Notice about, notice about this scripture Uh, Notice that it says that he dealt with the hostility that was there between two groups of people. Speaking of the Jews and the Gentiles. Now he's speaking to Gentiles in the book of Ephesians, the church that was in Ephesus. And he's giving them a direct understanding of how they come together now. Verse 17 says, he bought this good news, brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him. How many of you used to be far away from Jesus? You remember where God found you? Do you remember the state you were in when God found you? Never forget where you come from. And he told them, you used to be far away from him and and peace to the Jews was who were near. There was peace for those that were near to him under the old covenant. But now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Now all of us, no matter what nationality, culture, color, skin you have, we can all come together in unity of the Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Ghost, right? And so verse 19 says, so now you Gentiles, turn to your neighbor and tell, now you Gentile, if it's a girl, could say Gentile, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, someone say together. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. And I like this last part right here where it says, 21, we are carefully joined together in him. Carefully. That means it's very precise very thoughtful and very strategic we come together god has a hand in our coming together because a holy temple because we are a holy temple becoming that for the lord through him you gentiles 
are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. In other words, you aren't just family, you're actual part of the building. You're actually part of God's building. I'm very excited to talk about this. Today we're going to hit on the topic of why we're better together. Why we are better together. How many of you know that you're not doing life alone as long as you have a good church family to go to and worship with? And how many of you are so glad that God gave a promise and said that he would never leave us or forsake us? Isn't he an awesome father? Isn't he wonderful? He doesn't call you a slave or servant or or a student. He calls you a son of God, a daughter of God, a child of God. You're part of a family, but you're part of a building process too. Lift up your hands and ask God to bless this service. Come on, pray for the service. Lord Jesus, in your name, somehow, some way, let my brain and my mouth stick together. God, I pray today that let everything that comes out of my mouth come forth from your spirit, God. Help me today. Bless every person here, God. Bless every heart to receive and achieve. And God, begin to activate their faith to step out and do good works, God, for your name's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Come on, one more time. He's so worthy of our praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. So, ladies, have you ever gone with your husband to Lowe's or to Home Depot and saw him pull out a two-by-four or a piece of wood and go like this? And did you ever think to yourself, what is he doing, or is he doing that to make himself look like he knows what he's doing? I've seen um, people do that before I knew what I was doing. And I recognize that on those shelves where they sell the material, there, there's a lot of imperfection. There's a lot of uh, pieces of wood that have bows in them. Um, there's a lot of pieces of wood and material that has a lot of imperfections and and the problem is is if you buy one or if you purchase material that isn't straight or close to perfect then whatever you're building isn't going to come out right it just isn't going to come out right you have to have that Side of excellence in your life whenever you're finding the right materials, whatever you're doing in the beginning. So long-term wise, whatever you're building is built to last. That's called quality control. Quality control is a huge thing. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a position that people f fulfill now when you get hired on for a company. One person is actually hired to oversee the quality of every product that comes out of a manufacturer or things that are going to be bought by the consumer. And, and so, you know, the paradox of that thought and the, is that when God looked at us, God knew that we had imperfections, but God said, I'm going to use you anyways. 
Isn't that amazing? I mean, when God found us, how many of you were all splintered up and cracked up and bowed? And, you know, how many of you remember when God found you that there was nothing perfect about you? I mean, you would probably think if that why didn't God just cast me aside and use somebody better? And I'm going to explain why. But when we look at this portion of Scripture of God building a house, you, you can't fall into the same type of mentality or, or embrace the culture that we use today and, and the technology that we have and the, and the advancement of raw materials because back then they didn't have a mill to make two-by-fours and cut the wood so precise. But what they built houses out of were maybe pieces of wood for beams, uh, but they used stone. So when you look at this here, they are literally talking about stones. Raw material hewn out of, out of rocks, mountainsides. The material that they use would not be anywhere comparable to what we use today. Most buildings have wood. Most of the wood has to be straight. Back then, you had to have rocks, but then you had to form the rocks so they can fitly join together. So there was a process of picking them out, and there was a process of shaping them. And then you had something holding them. We're the raw material. We're the ones that God finds, and he begins to use us. But first, before he can ever use us, we first have to have a foundation. Have you ever gone to look for a home, whether you're going to rent or buy, and you found the house you were looking for? The house was in the right neighborhood. It had the right schools. It was uh, the house that just was a peaceful neighborhood. The bright color, um, even the landscape, it had curb appeal. But when you walked around, you saw a huge schism or crack in the side of the wall. And you're like, oh, man. I mean, I know what cracks mean. It wasn't the structure. It was the foundation. And you look down underneath there, and it was because the foundation shifted. Well, when God was going to build his house, he knew that the only thing that he could lay there as a foundation, as a strength, was himself. As, as stability, unmovable, unshakable. So that's why the scripture says we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God, with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone that fitly joined together with the apostles and prophets. What that means is, is that the very revelation and the teachings and the deity of Christ was going to be the very point of the foundation in which all the other teachings and inspiration of the Bible that came through apostles and prophets were going to form this one foundation, the one foundation where the church was going to be built on. And that church wasn't going to be just anything, but it was going to be somebody, a group of people, a group of people nonetheless that had imperfections that were going to be built on a perfect foundation. And I want you to think about this just for a moment. Because even though we're, in, we're imperfect and we don't have it all together, the very one who chose us does. You ever seen a hurricane come in and afterwards some houses were plowed? 
gone, but the foundation was still good and still there. And then months later, they start building again. That's the hope of Christianity, is that no matter how many times you mess up, no matter how many times you fall or fail, Jesus is always there. He's always going to be there for you. He is always going to wait for you. He is always going to be patient, give you hope. So Peter begins to give a little bit more of a detailed explanation about this building. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, he says, And you are living stones, not two-by-fours, not beans, but stones. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the meditation of Christ Jesus, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. So the believer, you and I become lively stones, living stones, and God uses to put us together one with another. There are so many differences that we have. All of us have our own identity. We're not all the skin, same skin color. We come from different cultures. Some like gumbo, some like arroz con pollo menudo. I don't know. It's everybody has their appetite. Everybody has their favor, a flavor. Um, they say variety is a spice of life, right? Thank God for spices because our food would be awful. Caleb Rivera did a great job talking about the salt and light, how we need to be more stronger as a seasoning to help our life become more flavorful for people that are hungry for God. I think it was a great message. But don't forget, if you don't have anything stable to build on, your life doesn't mean anything because what you build on is going to be based on what you believe in. Right now, more than ever, diversity has hit our nation, but the church is the prime example of what the rest of the world should be like. Under the sound of my voice, whether you're watching online or here in church, we have black people sitting with Mexicans, Mexicans sitting with white people, people from all around the nation at different services. The first service we had this morning was filled and it was packed. People are feeling more comfortable. They're starting to come back to church. But when you come back to church, you realize how much alike we really are. What pulls us together? So when you look at something, you look at them from the the structural perspective. From the perspective of a builder, a good builder knows how to look at a home. He doesn't just look at how pretty the paint is. A good builder looks at the foundation and looks at the integrity of the structure. So when God found you and I, the foundation was never the issue because there are no issues with the foundation. The foundation is good, but he looks at us and says, there's some problems here. There's some drama there. There's some issues here. There's some offenses there. There's some jealousy there. There's some bitterness there. There's some unforgiveness there. That's okay. I can work with that because they're a stone. And if that stone can listen, a lively stone, mind you, can be hewn or sculpted, it can be conformed to my purpose. So the scripture says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, because, God, because of God's grace to me, 
Paul said, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Paul was considered a master builder. But Paul was also considered a teacher. Now others are being are building on it. He said, I've left this and I built a foundation. That means that he gave that was the big issue of the day. He gave the fundamental doctrine and belief system of the Lord Jesus Christ and who he was. That was the foundation. The, the apostle Peter confirmed that as well when Jesus came up to Peter and he said, Peter, who do men say that I am? Peter said, well, you know, some, some say that you're, you're John the Baptist come back from the dead and, and some say that you're Elisha, again, coming back with power. But Jesus said, Peter, who do you think I am? And Peter said, well, you know, I think he was kind of hesitant at that moment because like when I ask you a question, you ever get kind of skeptical at your own answer? You don't know if you're going to say it right, but you got this feeling you know. Well, Peter didn't have that problem, really, uh, a, a lot of that problem, but I'd imagine he was hesitant. For a moment, he said, well, Lord, you're, you're the son of, of the living God, the Messiah. And the Lord said to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my heavenly father, our father has. And upon that revelation and understanding, upon that foundation, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell are no devil, no problem, no circumstance. No evil spirit will be able to stop it from being built. Now think about this just for a moment. He said hell, the devil, cannot stop what's being built. He didn't say the devil couldn't stop the foundation because it was a done deal. Jesus could not be defeated. He rose up again the third day and declared himself by himself to be the son of God, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There was no problem with the foundation, but he said, I'm going to build on top of that and nothing's going to stop the material from coming together. Yeah, I'm going to pick people that have problems. Yeah, some of them used to have addictions in their life. Some of them come from broken marriages. Sometimes some of them come from broken families, but nothing's going to stop them from coming together to fulfill my will to build a church because my grace is better. My grace is stronger. My mercy is more sufficient than anything else in this world. So I'm going to build a church, Peter. I'm going to build the church. I'm going to use you, but I'm going to build the church, and I'm going to pick people. All you do is teach them. All you do is teach them, disciple them. Because it's one thing to find a person and another thing to see them transformed. Or it's one thing to find a, a stone and another to shape it. To get the rough edges off. Because they have to fit together with other stones. Lively stones. What is the one area where we become compatible? The one thing all of us have that is the same is our fundamental belief system that Jesus Christ is Lord. And through that one thought, an expression of doctrinal belief, 
comes a relationship where love is developed. It's love that keeps us together, but it comes out of a relationship. And all of us are so different, but here's where the rough edges are knocked off. It's when we come together and hear the word of God. It's when we go home and pray and read our Bible and we begin to look into the mirror of God's word. And based on our response of what we do and choose to do, we have to let go of some things. And this is where the rough edges begin to get knocked off of our life based on our decision whether or not we want to become like Christ, whether or not we want to be used by God, whether or not we want to be part of a family, and then based on that decision, we allow some things to be taken out of our life. You know, when you're being shaped and you're being molded to be used by God, sometimes it doesn't feel good. Sometimes you have to be selfless and begin to think about him and others before yourself when our whole life, and I'm saying our as me and you, our whole life, it's always been about me. It's always been about me since I was a kid. But as I get older, I realize it's not about me, it's about we. There's something bigger than me. A purpose. The only point I want you to take away today is this. When we obey God's word, we are stronger. When we begin to look at God's word, there is more togetherness. The apostle Paul told Timothy, he said in 2 Timothy 2 and 15, he said, be diligent to present yourself approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, read your Bible. You know, the Bible isn't just a book. Let me help you and help you understand that those 66 books in what we call the Bible have gone through much fire and trial and persecution. Voltaire tried to destroy it at one time. Philosophers have come up. Even professors say it's just a fable book, but it is not a book of fairy tales. It is a recorded history, a living word inspired by the Holy Spirit. And people who wrote the Bible were kings and queens and shepherds and tax collectors and doctors that lived in different times and different eras. But somehow those manuscripts and transcripts have surfaced throughout the age of time. And God has willed his tapestry of mercy and grace to go to those scriptures and tie them all together. So they are united and they coincide a little here, a little there, and every word confirms itself by two or three witnesses. That Bible is alive, and the author is perfect, and it is true, and it has been proven within time. It will stand. So how many of you love the Word of God? The Word of God isn't just a book of history. It's His story. There's a difference. History and His story. It's about him, but it also, it's a two-edged sword, piercing and dividing asunder the soul and the spirit, the joint and the marrow. It's also a discerner of the intents of the heart. That means that it can knock off the rough edges off your life. There's only one thing that will give direction to someone to properly sculpt 
their life, and that's the Word of God. But the Spirit of God, when it softens the heart of humanity, it makes it pliable to conform to God's Word. That's why you've got to pray, and that's why you've got to read, and you've got to put them together. How many of you got that? That's why prayer and reading the Bible works together. Because when you read the Bible, you're reading what the authors say. But when you pray, you're experiencing the author and know what he's saying. You understand? Thank you for that golf clap. That was very nice of you. I said every time you read the Bible, the author is there with you. The creator is there with you. Those, those goosebumps you feel in church... Now, that isn't the air conditioning. Thank God for air conditioning, but it's not the AC. It is the C-H-R-I-T-S-T. <laughs> Almost messed up. It's the Christ in this place, the anointed one. And what he's doing is he is touching our lives. He's adding some things and taking away some things. So by the end of service or by the end of the month or the end of the year, however long it takes you to grab a hold of the Word of God and allow the Spirit to grab a hold of you, we are going to come together, fitly joined together by the Word and the Spirit, and we're going to become a safe haven for the world. Listen to me. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that even though you had imperfections, God, God said, I'm going to make a sanctuary where a troubled world can run into a place where they can feel accepted, where they'll feel loved, where they'll feel encouragement, feel enlightened, get stronger, become wiser, and be healed of everything they've experienced in a dark world. The church has the answer. It is not me. It's we. We is greater than me. We can't do this by ourselves. We come together so we can join together and grow together and become a habitation of God. That's why he shows up every time we come together, because it's God's house. The church is not a building. We've heard this a thousand times. The church if, is, is a group of people. If COVID-19 has taught us anything, it's that nothing can separate us from each other and from the love of God. Now, I'm going to drop something in here. So if you're at home, look at somebody and tell them. Put your seatbelt on because he's fixing to say something pretty rough. Are you ready? It's not too bad, really. Don't stay too long away from God's house because you'll get used to it and you'll be detached from the reality that church is essential. Don't stay too far. When you're ready, come back. When you're ready, come back. We're not forcing you to come. We're not telling you to come. But always keep in mind, there's a reason why God called for the assembly of people. Because when you begin to live life together, you really begin to understand, I'm not in this by myself. I'm not here alone. There's a different anointing that happens in this corporate setting because people are fitly joined together, and that's where God begins to inhabit that. That's why the scripture says God inhabits the what? Praises of who? His people. 
It didn't say in that portion of Scripture, God inhabits the praises of one person. He said, people joined together. There was a, a town, a city that was on the first on the list of, of, of Joshua when they were going into the promised land. That city was called Jericho. Jericho's walls were so big, people built houses on top of those walls. They were so broad, so high, so thick. It was strongly built, well built. But God said, if my church, this is Old Testament now under an old covenant, his church, if my people will come together in agreement and they do what I say, give the instruction, someone say, obey God's word. Say it with me. It's important to obey the instructions because that's what the Bible is. It's God's instruction. Someone said it was, uh, what was it called? B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. How many of you ever tried to put something together and you didn't have the instructions? Are you that kind of person? I'm that kind of person. I just stay, oh, I'm looking at it. I'm going, man, I don't need instructions. I can put that thing together. Then there's that one part missing when you're done. And then you say to yourself, oh, man. I should have read the instructions, right? Hope that thing don't fall apart while I'm on it. God was very specific with Joshua. He told them exactly what they needed to do. He said, it may sound crazy. It may sound foolish. It may be foolish. But when you get down there, walk around that city, and at one time after the seventh, sixth day, on the seventh day, and the seventh round, I want all of you together to lift your voices up together. You want to know what brought down those walls? It's when God inhabited their praises. It's when they all came together by the common ground that they all had. They, they were from different tribes, but they were still God's people. They were all different in their personality and what they, you know, what they really admired in life or what their purposes was and what their responsibilities were. But when they all came together, all of that didn't matter, and they all became one, and God inhabited all of them in that one place, and those walls came down, and God's people began to take over their promises. What I'm trying to tell you is that the church is the answer for our world right now, and there isn't nothing that this world has that God can't fix or God can't bring down and God can't take care of because you have the answer. You have the answer. You're not just anybody. You are somebody in Christ Jesus. You're not just a thing. You are the house of God. You are part of something. You see what God is doing right now in your life? He is just removing all the fears, all the worry, all the anxiousness, anxiety, all the frustration in your life as you grow. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm almost 50 years old, man. And the older I get, the more I realize, the less of me it takes to do the right thing. 
And the more I realize this entire time, all that God has been trying to do is shape me and mold me and get rid of me and have more of him. Because when I have more of him, I get along with you. I love you. I'm a better husband. Right, babe? I'm a better dad, right? Thank you. I'm a better pastor, I hope. And there's strength in that. And we bear each other's burdens. And we pray one for another. You know what you ought to do? I'm going to challenge you. Before you leave this church today, go up to somebody and ask them, hey, if you've never met them, what's your name? I'm so-and-so. I'm going to pray for you this week. And then next week when you come back, find somebody else. Hey, I'm going to pray for you. Why? Because this is where we're joined together. This is how we become stronger. I'm going to leave you with this conclusion. Are you ready? Loneliness and togetherness are both choices you make. If you want to be alone, then that's your choice. If you want to be together, feel fulfilled, then that's your choice too. God did not intend for you to live life alone. We are greater and better together. We can accomplish more together. I'm glad we have this opportunity to come. Ecclesiastes 4 and 9 says this, two people are better than one. If they can help each other succeed, for they can help each other succeed. They can help each other. I realized that my life was meant to help you. I realized that my life was never meant about me. Everything that I do in my life, every discipline I have, you all benefit from. When I'm healthier, when I'm more knowledgeable, when I pray more, guess who benefits from that? My family and then my church family. So my whole life is encompassed around this one thought. I become better so we can be better. Think about that. Think about that. And it's the same for you. We're better together. That's why we come to church. The church has the answer for the problems in our world right now. The church has the answer. We have to choose to comply. We have to choose to listen to the Word of God. We have to choose to listen to the preaching and, and then apply it in our life and, and be sensitive to the Spirit of God and allow the Spirit of the Lord to, re, to, to, to lead us and direct us and help us. We may all be different. We have different uh, uh, flaws and, and imperfections, but have you ever noticed some of the prettiest jewelry in the world has imperfections? Because that's where the glistening comes from, the light when it hits it. That's where it sparkles. It sparkles aren't, the sparkle comes from imperfections, not perfection. If a diamond was found in the earth and it was round, they would give it to someone to cut it up. So when light hits it, it begins to reflect. You see, God purposely allows your trials, your faith to be tried, 
your concerns and worries. He allows those cuts to happen because he knows when he forms you and makes you, you'll be more effective than what you were untouched. Molding you and making you. I've never had the opportunity to see a group of diamonds together. But I can imagine what God feels like whenever we allow him to work in our life. How he sees, because that's why Peter said, we are lively stones put together. I wonder what God looks at right now when he sees our church, when he sees our life. I've learned that when I feel lonely and I feel depressed or I feel down because we all experience that. Don't think pastors don't experience depression. We're human just like you. Don't think our family don't experience loneliness or things. And I mean, we all do. But when I hear somebody say it's time for church, I know what that means. I get to be together with you worship with you, talk talk about God with you, and I'm strengthened because I'm here with you. As I'm feeding you, I'm getting fed by the Spirit of God. I feel His anointing, and I feel the watering of God's presence, and the Scripture says, He that waters himself gets watered also, and I, I love coming to church. Sometimes we all need a break from our work. Sometimes we all need some time to rest, but remember, don't stay too long away from God's house because you'll start feeling disconnected, and that's your choice. But David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go back to God's house. Let's go with my family, our, our church family, our believers, and I want to worship with people who love to worship like I do. I want to I listen to the Word of God and, 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 and eat with people that are hungry for God's Word like I am. And I want to I pray with somebody, and I want to worship with someone who says we're united in our spirit. And, and when that happens, the Scripture says where two or three are gathered in His name, He's right there in the middle. Why do I come to church? Because that's where Jesus is. That's where the strength for my soul comes from. That I, I come to church because I belong to a family. It just That's not a building. It's a group of people that are being shaped to fit together for one purpose, to be stronger, fortified, built together and built to last. Built together and built to last. That's what I love about church. That's what I love about him. Will you stand to your feet and lift your hands and tell him, Lord, thank you for bringing me into the family, into the sheepfold, part of a, a, a group of people, and leading me and guiding me and directing me. This is why we come to church. This is a different message from the first service, by the way, because there are different needs here. And here's, here's how God works. When he sees your heart and you're hungry, he'll feed you by the anointing and by the words that come through here. I feel God directing people right now to accept this because God is saying to someone, I am changing your life. I am changing your life. I am giving you a new lifestyle, new habits in your life. And everything good comes from me, but I'm going to change your life to around all the things that have not been working out for you are going to start working out for your good. And everything you do, as long as you're connected to me, nothing can defeat you. Nothing can stop you from fulfilling the will of God in your life. That's what God is doing right now. Somebody lift up your hands. 
Somebody lift up your hands and just begin to worship Him. I feel the anointing in this house here this Sunday morning. Somebody just lift your hands and give God some love and worship and praise Him. You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. You deserve the praise, God. We love you today, Jesus. Come on, Haley. Sing something. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.